I want to share something with you. Some of you may be uh, leaders. Uh, we're all influencing somebody. Amen. And so uh, something the Lord has helped walk me through along with my uh, M28 group this last week is in the way of how do we deal with criticism? How do we deal with people's approval? Because that's definitely something that I've battled with over the years. But the Lord had told me, he said, Steve, if you need the praises of men, you'll be affected by the rejection of men. So we cannot, you know, we cannot need people's approval. And here's what he said. I thought it was great practical and what I wanted to share with you. He said, it's not up to you to win over your critics. Simply ask, Father, did you ask me to do this? And then number two, I love this one, is it kingdom? If it's kingdom, if I asked you to do it, then keep going. If it's not, then adjust as needed. Always be humble because nobody's immune from missing it or making mistakes. Isn't that, isn't that good? So as we deal with those things, not everybody's going to maybe like your ideas or even maybe like you, but you can't live and die with other people's opinions, guys. You're going to have to get your identity. I mean, look at Christ. He got his identity and his acceptance from his father's voice and his father's presence. And because he wasn't held by the uh, approval of men, he didn't need men to approve of him to do what he was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't undone by the rejection of men. So I just wanted to share that with you. We're all in a growth process, even me. Amen. It's part of Christ being formed within us. Uh, I don't have a bunch of time. I will say this that if you're new to Grace Church, we're those who live connected to Christ through a new covenant economy. We'll get into that a little bit today. We get our identity from Him. We just talked about that, not from everybody else's opinion, which empowers us to put God on display and disciple others. And if you are new, you can text 94,000, or sorry, text I am here to 94,000. And we'll uh, get you some information, just get in touch with you. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our country, we are, we are desperate for you. And I'm so grateful for some students that just pressed through. They just kept going. They just pressed through. And now, Lord, it's marvelous in our eyes. And may it continue to be catalytic and contagious, Lord, uh, with young and old alike throughout our country. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob generation all worshiping and loving you together we need you we welcome you as lord over this country no matter what the enemy tries to do and build here greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world in jesus name everybody said amen all right well your uh scripture to eat this week ephesians 2 8 and 9 we'd love to hear from you on that we've been talking about the teachings of jesus he taught truth he taught god as our father he taught the father's kingdom is accessible now and then of course we've been on regeneration john chapter 3 verse 7 jesus said do not marvel that i said to you you must be born again Okay, 69% of Americans claim to be Christian. Only 29% of those claim to actually be born again. Uh, I'm not sure what percentage of that 29% understands what it means to be born of the Spirit and actually be new on the inside. That we're not just trying to fix the old you. The old you is dead in Christ, and now you've been raised a brand new creation. The last two weeks, we've looked at the role of God's grace in regard to salvation and sanctification. Today I want to look at the role of faith 
in regard to regeneration and salvation. Here's the definition of regeneration, a supernatural birth performed by God's Spirit, whereby we become brand new creations and are infused with His divine life. What's happening at Asbury when students are just responding to the presence of the Lord and they're coming forward, uh, they're getting born again. They're, they're not getting religion. It's not like, hey, thanks for coming and sign this card. I mean, they're, they're receiving divine life and becoming a brand new creation, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. So here's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to talk about faith. Everybody say faith. You know, from the very beginning, God's been interested in partnership with man. His supply, our receptivity. Ephesians 2 verse 4, this is amplified classic. But God, so rich is He in His mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead by our own trespasses, He made us alive together in fellowship and union with Christ. Who made you alive? He did. What was your role? Consent. Surrender. Receive Him. Only God can make sons after His own kind. A church can't make sons of God, people. The Spirit of God makes sons and daughters of God. Spirit begets spirit. Like begets like. So look at this. He made us alive together in union with Christ. I was encouraging one of the young people this morning. I'm 52 years old. I met Jesus. <laughs> I think somebody was just slain in the spirit right there. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. When I was 20, <laughs> I was sharing with her. When I was 20, that's when I met Jesus. I had prayed the prayer when I was 13. But I, and I tried super hard to be a Christian for seven years. And that was very hard. I failed a lot. I still stumble. But anyway, when I was 20, Jesus told me, that he loved me because of who I was, because of who he was, not because of what I did. And what I encourage her with is, he'll never leave you. I'm I'm a testimony to this. I'm telling you, I met him when I was 20, and I've made so many mistakes. He's never left me. Remember when we talked about the word repent out of Mark 1:15, repent and believe the good news. It means to be changed while with. So for 32 years, he has. He has conformed me to the image of Himself. He's made me more like Christ, but He's done it while He's with me. Never leaves me or forsakes me. And I would have left myself. I Believe me, I'd have quit. I remember saying to Him that one time out of John 15 when He said, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I'm like, Lord, why? Why would you choose me? Maybe you watched me. He said, I chose you because you wouldn't choose you. You get it? What's the criteria? Humility. Not, so I'm dependent. Because I wouldn't choose me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dependent. I'm not going to be self-sufficient. Boy, I've I got to get moving, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, He gave us, He made us alive together in union with Christ. Look at this. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself. The same new life with which He quickened Him. Which goes with Romans 8.11. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So as when you're a born-again Christian, Christ lives in you. And He's going to take that journey with you, conforming you more and more to His, to His image. But does that make sense? I really encourage you, study this out. Look at this. You know, eat these passages. He gave us the very life of Christ. 
Romans 6.23 calls it the gift of God. Remember, I keep saying you didn't get, when you got saved, you didn't get a Christmas ham. You didn't get a new car. You got, <laughs> you got God. And so because you're born again, you are a person through whom now, think about this, God is visible. God is visible through you because he's in you. So you go to Walmart, you're really not there for eggs. You're really there to put him on display. You go to the restaurant, I know you need to eat, I get it, but you're also there to put him on display because you are someone through whom God dwells. That's what it is to be born again. And so then he says, uh, we, we were quickened by him for it's by grace, his favor and his mercy, you didn't deserve that you're saved. Remember, grace is when you get what you shouldn't have got. Mercy is when you didn't get what you should have got. It's grace uh, and mercy that you're saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. The beautiful part of that, you've been delivered of so many things, not just hell and separation. I get all that. But that you, you know you've been delivered from malice. You've been delivered from unforgiveness. You've been delivered from the power of sin. I mean, that's good news. You can walk that out now. You don't have to wait till you're in heaven. You've been delivered. Saved by His life, Romans 10 says. So delivered from judgment and you're a partaker of Christ Himself, salvation. He's raised us up together with Him, made us to sit down together, giving us joint seating with Him in the heavenly realm by, the, by virtue of our being in Christ. Everybody say, I'm in Christ. And now say, and He's in me. That's the glorious union that you have. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the limitless, immeasurable, you can't measure it, the riches of his free grace. So through the ages to come, we get to discover God's grace. You're not going to be bored in heaven, I promise you. You're going to get to learn and grow in the riches of his free grace, his kindness and his goodness of heart, goodness of heart towards us in Christ. So he didn't do it begrudgingly. He loves you. Verse 8, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you got saved, delivered from judgment. There it is. Partakers of His salvation. Through your faith. All right? By grace through faith. This saving, this salvation, this deliverance you've undergone is not of yourselves. You didn't do it. (laughs) It came not through your own striving. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, But it's actually the gift of... So what did you get? God, you got Him. Not of your own works. Uh, Verse 9, not because of works or the fulfillment of the law's demands. You didn't earn it, lest any man should boast. It's not the result of what anybody could possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Boy, isn't that something? So because we understand it was a gift to us, we didn't earn it, who can we offer it to? Everybody. There's nobody you should be looking at and saying, well, yeah, you don't qualify. You're too far. You're too far gone. Now, if he saved you, he can save them. <laughs> Verse ten: For we're God's own handiwork, His workmanship. Look at this. Recreated. Love this translation. We've been recreated in Christ Jesus. We were created first in Adam. We got born out of the Adams family. Thank you, Jesus. And recreated in Christ Jesus' family, born anew. See, Jesus taught new creation. That's what John 3 is about. And then Paul picked it up, that we may do those good works which God predestined for us, taking the paths that he prepared for us, 
that we should look at this, live the good life he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So according to Paul, you're saved not by grace alone or faith alone, but by God's grace through your simple faith. That's how you got born again. It's a partnership of God's ability. He has the ability not just to cleanse you. Amen. The only one who could have cleansed you, could have dealt with your sin issue, did. You weren't going to fix that. And if he fixed it, why don't you live like you believe it? He's the only one that could have done it. He did it. So it's a partnership of God's ability and your receptivity. You cannot save yourself, but you can consent to being saved. And you can consent to being born again and regenerated. And that's why I love to tell you, the devil cannot make you bad. He can only make you think you're bad. He's pretty good at it, isn't he? Why can't he make you bad? Because you've been made a new creation by God. Who you are is God's creation. He made you. So the devil cannot make you bad. He can only make you think you're bad. Because God himself made you. You're a product of his handiwork. Ephesians 2.10 So when you're born again, supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, listen to this, an eternal, internal partnership began. Everybody say partnership. So you got born again by partnering with God. And now you live every day, guess what? By partnering with God. Grace, His ability through your faith, your participation, your receptivity. That's how you got saved. So now live every day in the same partnership. His ability, your consent. Amen? Lord, I yield to you. I yield to you. I don't want to live my own way and ask you to bless it. I want to yield my spirit, soul, and body to you. So Colossians 2.6, write that one down. Colossians 2.6, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Just like you received Him, a partnership, His ability, your consent, your, your faith, your receptivity to participate and act upon grace. Live that way every day. And now listen to this. Colossians 2.7 says that we abound in faith. Are you ready for this? Through thanksgiving. Roger Hull, I don't know where he went, but he says all the time, faith is thank you. And he's right. In, in partiality, that's absolutely true. Do you want to abound in faith? Then be thankful. You're not hearing me. <laughs> this, this is a principle. You abound in faith. And if you eat this passage in Colossians 2.7, you're going to see the word thanksgiving is Eucharist, which means, are you ready for this? Thanking God for His grace. We abound in faith through thanksgiving because faith is thanking Him for what He's given you. Faith is receiving what He's offering you. Faith is participating with what grace has afforded you. That is faith, guys. And now a bunch of you may be like me. I grew up some in the charismatic movement and the faith movement. And I thought faith was me doing religious things to get God to give me something. Oh, that wore me slick. <laughs> and then when I didn't have sacks of money, Travis, on my porch, 
because I was really trying to make that work. If it's based on my faith, then I want, I told him I want a brown sack, you know, like a crest sack full of $20 bills packaged together, stacked up, you know, $100,000, whatever. And when I get up in the morning, it'll be there. And I'm believing it. I believe it. I won't walk out there and it's going to be there. It wasn't there. <laughs> he said, Steve, get a job. No. <laughs> Read the book of job. <laughs> So I thought faith was me doing stuff to get him to do something. Faith is appropriating what God's grace has already provided. I get to live in the reality of everything grace has provided. If grace hasn't provided it, my faith can't can't make it happen. Look at this. Faith is receiving, and maybe you want to take a picture of it. Man, study this, eat this, process it out with the Lord. Faith is receiving, participating with, and acting upon, I would even say, according to Colossians 2, 7, thanking Him for all that God's grace has provided. If God's grace hadn't provided it, your faith can't make it happen. So listen to this. We're talking about abounding in faith through thanksgiving and being thankful. Why do we do that? It's a partnership. Okay, He supplies, you receive, and thank Him. Now listen to me. Do you suppose that if you were intentional and purposeful about really thanking God from your heart that He loves you on a regular basis, let's say five times a day, it's time for a little praise break. Father, thank You that You love me so much. If you do that, do you think you'll increase, that the love of God would increase manifesting in your life? It will. And here's why. Because what you're thankful for, you'll increase in. I am helping somebody right now. What you're thankful for, you'll increase in. What you're not thankful for, you'll diminish in. People, I mean, I, I praise God that they get born again and, you know, they're baptized in the love of God and the liquid love. I've heard that, you know, all kinds of stuff. How many of you know that's great for that day? It may even last them a week or two, but at some point they're going to have to go back to thanking Him, continually receiving that He loves them. And that's how the love of God shows up manifest in their heart and life. Could work in your marriage. If you tell each other, I thank you so much for loving me. Thank you. You can increase in that awareness. There was one guy who said, uh, I told you I married you, or I told you I loved you the day we got married. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Remember this one, Don, the guy in the old truck, and uh they're, you know, old beat up pickup truck driving through town. They're about in their 80s now. I think they've been married 60 years. And she's sitting over there and he's sitting here. And he said, she said, do you remember when we used to get in this truck and we were always side by side? We were stuck together like glue. You know what he said? He said, I never moves. <laughs> so, so participating. <laughs> We can all go home on that, I think. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, revelation just hit the room right there. <laughs> what you're thankful for, you'll increase in and you'll retain. If you take time, now you've got to be intentional and you'll thank Him. Thank you, Lord, for how forgiven I am. 
In Christ, you're forgiven. Past, present, and future. Amen? If you want to get excited, read Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. He did it one time for everybody. You're forgiven in Christ. If you thank Him for that, you're going to increase and you'll see forgiveness be formed in you as a character quality of Christ. And then guess what? It'll come through you. This is abide ways works. This is how we define a disciple of Jesus Christ at Grace Church. Abide. I'm living connected to Christ. And because I'm connected with Him, I'm connected to His forgiveness. And I'm living that connection. I didn't cause the connection, but it is mine through grace and faith. So I'm, faith is really abiding. I'm choosing to live the reality that I'm forgiven. And then as I'm thanking Him intentionally for how forgiven I am, forgiveness is formed deeper and deeper in Steve. And then these words eventually come out. I forgive you. It's okay. It's okay that you hurt me. I forgive you. Do you ever, you ever think that when we get hurt by somebody, it's really an opportunity God's giving us to share with somebody what He's already given us by grace? I mean, that we could testify of how amazing He is? Because He's forgiven us of so much and then they did something, you know, said something bad about us or whatever, and we struggle to forgive That doesn't make any sense. Maybe it wasn't about your hurt feelings. Maybe it's really about putting God on display. That now you've got this opportunity. I'm not saying God caused it. But I'm saying He could use it as an opportunity for you to share with someone else what He's given you. How good He is to you. Abide. I live connected to forgiveness. Ways. He's formed in me. I'm becoming a forgiving person on the inside. Works. I forgive you. That's a disciple. We're not just hearing... Man, we're abiding in it, we're being formed in it, and we're, we're obeying it. We're, we're uh, working His Word, doing His Word. Amen. How am I done on time? Whoops. <laughs> this is important. I'll give you just a few more things and we'll wrap it up. And, and I do I have, I have one scripture I've got to give you because it's about forgiveness and we're on that right now. But faith doesn't make things be given to you. Faith allows you to experience the life and peace of what's given to you. You've got to hear that. Faith doesn't make these things happen. Your faith didn't cause Him to love you. But faith allows you to participate and act upon how much He loves you. That's your part. Is a uh, receptive heart. Faith doesn't make God love you. It allows you to experience the life and peace of how much He loves you. Um, I'm righteous, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. But if I never, if you never see a righteous deed through Steve, do I really believe I'm righteous? So that's why it's a partnership. We need to believe it and receive it. It allows us to experience what's already true about us. That's faith. I'm, I'm acting upon. Yeah, here it is. I'm receiving yeah, I mean, you could pick anything. What's, what's one of your favorite things that God says about you? Somebody give me one. That you're chosen. All right. So for Gretchen, faith is receiving God's word that she's chosen. And it's okay to believe it. It was his idea. He said it. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. She's chosen, so she participates with it. She lives as someone who's chosen, not grasping for everybody's approval. She's chosen by God Himself so that manifests in her. It's formed in her and it comes through her. Um, She participates with it. She thanks Him for it. That's how we increase in it. 
I love this. So faith doesn't make God accept you. Faith allows you to experience the life and joy of the real reality that you're accepted in Christ. Does that make sense to you? Okay, last one. I'm going to give you this scripture and we'll close. And it's a, it's a little long, so don't get angry. <laughs> Just kidding. Matthew 18, 23. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Remember how I was talking about earlier that how is it we're holding grudges and debt over people when he's forgiven us of so much? That's Jesus' point here. 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. He wasn't able to pay. How many of you realize this guy's not paying this debt? He's not paying this. The master ordered his wife and kids, all they sold be, uh, or sorry, all they had be sold to repay the debt. And then the servant fell on his knees before the king. Please be patient with me. I will pay back everything. That's a lie. He can't pay this back. He cannot pay this back. It's very similar to you and I's debt before God regarding sin. We can't, we don't have the funding. The only one who can pay the debt did. So we need to believe it. Verse 27. The servant took pity on him, had mercy on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go free. How about that? But when the servant found out one of his fellow servants owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and choked him out. (laughs) What in the world? Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. I mean, is there any faith in this guy? Does he even believe he got forgiven? Maybe he thinks he was forgiven of the debt, but, but here's how he nullified it. If he thinks he deserved forgiveness, that's why he's not willing to forgive. Because in his mind, he earned it. Religion is ugly, ugly, ugly. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Same statement. Be patient with me. I'll pay it back. Which, I mean, the silver coins, he probably could have over time paid that back. But he refused and he said he went off and had the man thrown into prison. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. Like, what in the world? Told the master everything that happened. So the The king called the servant and said, You wicked servant, I canceled the entire debt because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? One of the great things about Jesus, he he does teach law some before he goes to the cross and dies. But right here, he's giving you a glimpse to the new covenant. We are those who live connected to Christ through a new covenant lens. The new covenant, you can't initiate a new covenant without the shedding of blood. Has he shed his blood yet? No, he hasn't. Not here he hasn't. This is Matthew 18. He has not shed his blood yet. We have not initiated the new covenant yet, but he's going to give you a glimpse. And he says, should you not show mercy out of the mercy that I supply you? That's where we're going in the new covenant. And we get a picture of it in verse 33. Verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured or the, the a lot of translations are tormented. How many of you know unforgiveness is tormenting? It torments you. It's a picture Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So that's the, that's the Old Testament law right there. If you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. Thank God for the new covenant. And Jesus dies on the cross, sheds his blood to initiate forgiveness for all mankind, whosoever is willing to receive him. 
And guess what? Three times the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, post-cross, forgive just as God in Christ forgave you. Does that make sense to you? In the New Covenant, we receive in order to perform the Word. Now, here's the crazy thing, and we'll get into this next week. Not only does God supply you the grace, He supplies you the faith to act on it. Because faith comes by hearing, and what comes with it? Hearing by the... So when God speaks a word to you, a rhema word to you, it has faith in it to execute it. Well, what's my part? Listen to Him. Listen. Make it a priority to hear rhema words from the living God because when you hear the word, it's got faith in it. Scott, you guys can come. So my point here is, and Jesus' point is too, that in the new covenant, because it's based on what he supplied, his grace has supplied it, has, let me ask you this, go back to it, has forgiveness been supplied through grace? To us. It has. So faith dances with it. Faith appropriates forgiveness that's already been given. Faith's not earning. Faith is receiving. Big difference. And so when you receive it, there should be fruit. Can I get a witness? There should be some kind of evidence that Larry is born again and filled with Christ. There should be some evidence of that. That the life of Jesus has been infused into him. Or that Larry's forgiven. All of his sins are forgiven. This guy, like I said, he clearly didn't believe it. Or he nullified it by thinking he deserved it. But I love what Jesus says there in regard to mercy. Should you not have shown mercy just like I showed you mercy. So out of my supply, you can give. I already said all that. The kingdom principle that's revealed in Ephesians is grace and faith is a partnership with God. And from the very beginning, God's wanted partnership with you. He'll do the supplying if you'll be humble and receive. Acknowledge you're a branch that I need to derive. Faith is deriving. That's what branches do is they derive life from the vine. Does that make sense? He is not asking you to go out on your own, independent of Him, and somehow manufacture love and joy. and You can't. Not the real stuff. So faith is deriving. I even uh, like to say belie- receiving is believing. You hear about seeing is believing. Well, we don't subscribe to that because we're born again Christians. For us, receiving is believing. But there ought to be evidence. If you've received the life of Christ, there should be some fruit of the, of the union there. Will you stand with me? We're going to get more into this If you feel like you're unclear on some things, man, holler at me or get with some of the staff. Elders will be happy to help you. But it is a partnership. And I want to tell you the story. E. Stanley Jones, who many of you know I admire greatly. He was in India and he was about to speak to, I don't know, 40,000 people. And uh, he was sitting on kind of this makeshift platform in a chair and they introduced him and and right as they were introducing him he whispered this prayer Father help me because he wanted to give a good message and he heard immediately back the Holy Spirit said I'll do better than that Stanley I will use you now not use you 
in the sense of you're not worth anything and all that. We, I didn't marry Stacy to use her. I married Stacy to be co-laboring with her in partnership with her. And so what his revelation was is, wow, if I'll just open my mouth, if I'll be a willing vessel, the Lord will say what he wants to say. One of my favorite stories is when we were over at the building on Westminster, I was in the prayer room before church on a Sunday morning. And I was a little bit antsy because I was starting this brand new series on prayer and I wanted it to be awesome. And I was, like I said, I was a little bit nervous. And uh, is it, did, did I study enough? Did I got enough? And guess what he said to me? He said, Steve, what you have to say is really not that important. <laughs> he said, I tell you what, if you'll yield your heart to me, if you'll yield to me when you go out there, I will say through you what I want to be said. You just give me your heart and let me handle the rest. You surrender and I'll do the rest. Is that Man, he totally liberated me. Because the reason I was spun up, Larry, is I thought I was going to have to produce a great series. Yeah, I was going to perform for him. And he said, you know, what you have to say, not all that important. Every head bowed and every eye closed. But if you've been touched with his presence today, if you've encountered the living Christ today, and you don't know him, but you'd say, Brother Steve, I want divine life. I want to be infused. I want his grace to bring all he is to me through my simple faith. And I choose to receive him today that I might be born again. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real high and say, Brother Steve, that is me. Celebrate with me. I want to be born again. Anybody? Oh, thank you, brother. Right back over here. Oh, and right back here. Thank you. Ron, right over there. And then Larry, right over here, this gentleman. Thank you so much. Leave your hands up for just a moment. Anybody else, raise your hand up high and say, I want, I want divine life from Christ. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Let's pray with them. Say this, say this with them. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive divine life and union with Christ. It is your grace that saves me and makes me new on the inside. And it is my faith right now that I consent. I receive you, Lord Jesus Christ, not just as my Savior, but as my lead communicator, my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new. Thank you that I'm forgiven and I'm eternally loved in and by you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, amen. Awesome. Bless you.